watch the ripples change the sides, but never leave the stream of warm permanent sand. So the days float through my eyes, but still the days seem the same. Ch -ch -ch Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Chris Zarnick. And since we last spoke, the Packers played perhaps two of the least remarkable games in the storied history of this franchise, completing a rather strange 7-9 season. However, in the last 24 to 48 hours, we've had more off-the-field changes for the Green Bay Packers than we've had probably since 2006 when uh, Mike McCarthy was brought on board as Dom Capers was dismissed as defensive coordinator and Ted Thompson is no longer the general manager, uh, still with the organization, but there's much speculation as to how that came about. Uh, so we'll talk about all of that right now. But Chris, before we get to the big two items that we're going to spend almost the entire episode on, this season, uh, I'm, I'm almost glad that it's over. It was, we've lost more in my time as a Packer fan, certainly in your time right, as a Packer right. fan. But I can't remember a more miserable season from the aspect of it's it's one thing if you lose it's another thing if you feel like you never had a chance. The Packers, including the preseason, put the green and gold on 20 times. It felt like we got to watch six real games and 14 preseason games. It really felt like that a lot. And, and I think you're right, that if you know you don't have a chance, you can watch the game and just enjoy the game for the scheme or for the players or whatever. And if you think you've got a really good chance, then you're really on the edge of your seat and, and hoping for a really good game. But in this particular case, we had the, the, the almost what-if stuff, right? Yeah. So you have a 4-1 and one start, and you're very excited, and then uh, and then you go. Rogers goes down. You go. Well, what does that mean? And then you go. Well, I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. he, you know, he goes out. We win a few games. He comes back. The miracle happens. It went exactly to form. Uh, I think we were disappointed with what we <laughs> saw with our backup, but yeah. in this particular case, it went true to form. And then uh, uh, Rogers comes back, and you go. Okay, what if? Right. So so you, you're on this roller coaster all year long, expecting good things, and when the bad things happened, you're just like, man, was I foolish to think that that was even a possibility? Or what, where was I even coming from thinking that, that I could get excited about that? So I think it's been a very stressful, if you could be stressed as a, as a fan. Yeah, I guess. stressful is uh, something supposedly as inconsequential as sports. We perhaps stress about it more than I, I think that's probably healthy, true. But, yeah. uh, but, but I think we, we waited for the, the happy, uh, triumphant return and the, and the ending that uh, made us all seem really excited. And it just never came. You know, you, you lose your quarterback, your your team goes downhill, and you end up a bad football team, and that is exactly what happened. Absolutely. And then your last two games, I think the team felt the same way we all did after losing that Aaron Rodgers game with the Carolina Panthers. They only scored 11 points in two games. Um, really just not fun football to watch. 
mistake-filled, losing to two division rivals. Uh, at least the Packers did make some history this year. It's their first ever 7-9 and nine finish. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Nev- well, never done right. that before, so check that off the box for the storied <laughs> let's history. Let's not do that again soon. Yeah, yeah let's try not to do that. Um, they still haven't been anything worse than 4-12, and 12, so there's always a few more things you can do. Um, the other things, they had the worst division record in the Mike McCarthy era. Just two wins, both over the hapless Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brett Hundley becomes the first quarterback not named Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers to lead the team in passing since Mike Tomzak in 1991. He also becomes the first Packers quarterback to lead the team in passing with fewer than 2,000 yards since Tomzak in 91. Um, barely beat out Aaron Rodgers. I think it was like 160 yards despite oh. throwing 70 more pass attempts. Okay. So obviously wasn't very effective. Um, and it was the first time since 1988 that the Packers didn't have a skill position player gain at least 900 yards from scrimmage uh, due to injuries and things like that. But I'll give you a positive that Jamal Williams finished fifth and Aaron Jones finished eighth uh, in single season rushing for a Packers rookie. So that was oh good. Oh my gosh. That, that is so, there, there are signs of life in an otherwise uh, destitute kind of place. It was really hard to watch. Um, and, and the last two games for me, you know, I, I've always gone off the deep end a little bit when, when players talk about or what fans talk about when. Uh, teams tank, yeah. right? They tanked for draft choices. And I never thought in a million years we'd be never having that conversation. A, we're too good for that. So, you, yeah. don't, you know, you don't purposely lose. And B, we're above that, you know. But if, if that last game, the last game for sure isn't a tank job, you know, that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, you better hope but it's a tank holy job. holy cow. Like, it, it, they, they would have lost a two-hand touch football game with the amount of effort that was put into it, the amount of tackling and running, and um, that was embarrassing. I, I, you know, for the first time in a long time, by halftime, I wasn't even watching the game anymore. Yeah, that that was a really rough one, and it didn't help that both games were on holidays, so there's always, or or near holidays, so you had other things to be doing, but yeah, it it was a strange end to the season. Um, The Packers end with having just three of their preferred 22 starters play all 16 games, those uh, being Blake Martinez, HaHa Clinton-Dix, and the newly extended Corey Lindsley, the only offensive player to play all 16 games. Which I think was a great signing, but we'll talk about that, but a great extension <laughs> there because uh, yeah. you really you build your line from the inside out, and that's that's a great hire, or a great, great signing. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that was the lowest. Three preferred starters getting through the whole season was the lowest in the history of the McCarthy era, uh, it's always weird to say McCarthy era if you're a history person. Right, well, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it really has. He's been here a long time. Well, and it reminds me, once again, uh, this is the second time this year we've mentioned communism on, on the podcast. So. <laughs> oh, I, okay, sorry. I never even went there, so uh, I guess I'm not much of a history buff. Sorry about that. Yeah, so uh, the first time, um, so three players. In 2011, they technically had three players, but at least four were healthy scratches in that wild Matt Flynn Week 17 Detroit game that didn't matter. Um, other than that, 16, 15, and 2007, they had only seven of 22 play all 16 games. But So that's just a reflection of how uh, beat up this team was this year. 2014 had 12 of their preferred 22 play all 16. With all the changes that have happened in the last 48 hours, all I can... St- I can't stop thinking about Julius Peppers telling Morgan Burnett to slide. Yeah. It, I, it just oh, it just hurts all over again. Well, b- because because if you look at the way that 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 uh, plays out, 
you know, they we're very likely having a very different conversation today. I mean, I'm telling you, you win another Super Bowl, and there's job security that goes along with it, and and other free agents want to come to you as a as a place to play football, and um, yeah, that one still burns. Yeah. So speaking of McCarthyism, the purge began shortly after the season, and Dom Capers was the first to fall. We've been talking about Dom Capers leaving for a long time. And this had been speculated since at least the Carolina loss. So it wasn't all that surprising that it happened on um, Monday, but it was surprising in a sense that it eventually happened because we've been talking about this for years. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And, and Dom's a nice guy. He's meant a lot to this league sure, as, of course. as far as concepts and things like that. But um, we finally got what a lot of Packers fans have been calling for a long time, and that's Dom Capers is no longer the defensive coordinator. And, and uh, it's kind of a footnote that, that will tell you a little bit about where people, uh, where I think people think our talent level is good or not. In addition to him, they let go the uh, the defensive line coach. Yep, uh, Turgovac. Right, and then also the inside linebacker coach. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what that tells me. If you didn't let go the secondary coach, that means you think your coaching and your scheme is good, but you don't have the players. Yeah. Right? But if you ha- underperform and you feel like you have good players on the defensive line and the inside linebackers and you underperform, then it's scheme, right? We yeah. are forever talking about scheme and yeah. players. And so that's the only thing that makes sense to me is if the whole defense underperformed, you let go of people who, who didn't get talented players to deliver. Yeah. And then the, the people who didn't have the tools handed to them at the beginning of the year, they get a pass until we get some other players back there. So that I, I definitely agree. That's a very good assessment on your part. But then I guess – you know, I'm I'm just me, and they're lots of experience coaching football, but I, I guess I don't agree with their assessment of what's wrong with the defense then, because I think that that defensive line, it's a 3-4 defensive line. They got a lot out of Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark. Maybe they haven't developed some other guys, but they've had quite a carousel of bodies go through there in the last tw- 10, 12 years. I guess however many Dom's been here, nine years. And the linebackers... They've invested almost nothing in them. Mm-hmm. The middle of the, mm-hmm. the linebackers, it sounds like Winston Moss is not fired, but if he gets a job somewhere else, they're not going to plead too badly right, for him exactly. to return. Not try and, hold him onto him. and to me, the by far most talented group they've had is the secondary, and they haven't performed well at all. I, I think in this case, you, you take a look at the secondary, and um, you know the, the coach can't be responsible for taking – uh, Rollins, right? A uh, yeah. you know a basketball player yeah. as your second round pick. They can't be responsible for House getting hurt. They can't be responsible. Uh, you can be responsible for Darius Randall being out of control ori- yeah. originally until the coach you know kind of lays it on the line and he really cleaned his act up and turned out uh, it turned in a pretty good performance. Yeah, he was a, one of the highlights overall. This year. Uh, but but I think there's a message there. There's very often a message that that you you don't fire a ton of players and you don't fire a, lot, a ton of talent, but you do send a message. To them that's saying, listen, nobody is untouchable, and that very often happens um, happens with coaches, and and it's a sad thing. But but when you're really looking for change, I mean, I come from the world of business and mm-hmm. the world of manufacturing, and and unfortunately, one of the rules of coming in as a brand new turnaround guy is you got to fire somebody. You have to to get people's attention because if you don't, everybody thinks, well, it's you know just the same. I'll just kind of do the same thing. Sure. And so uh, you know. Uh, Don Cap- uh, Dom Capers was, you know, the whole state of Wisconsin was was cheering for that. We'll see how that goes, by the way. Uh, but I think that has everything to do with Dom Capers' scheme uh, didn't allow them to be successful. But I really believe that they feel like they have talent on the defensive line 
uh, and and the inside linebackers, and they didn't deliver what they could have. So yeah, that's my assessment. And and I think that's a, a fair assessment. But they have a chance to prove it now. This is what on our last podcast we talked about. I'd like to know. We've talked for sure. so many years now about is it the talent? Is Ted not getting good talent on defense, or is Dom not putting them where they need to be to be successful? Well, now we're going to find out. And like you said, to send a message, you sometimes have to fire someone, and it's unfortunate because these people have lives and families. Of course, but just. Uh, sticking specifically to football, now if you're in the locker room, you can't put your hands up and say, well, you know, we weren't given a good game plan. We weren't prepared today. Now if you are ha-ha Clinton Dix and you're standing around watching the game as an active participant, that's on you. If you can't beat the guy in front of you or if or if you can't get any push, that's on those guys now. And so I'm sure that's not lost on them. But now it's time to make a move because if you're 26th again next year, then you start getting rid of players. Right, right. So, so all, uh, I, I'm sure our listeners get tired of me talking about that. It's either scheme or players. But, but initially, when you're bad, you have to eliminate one of the variables, mm-hmm. right? So, so we can say, well, we think it's this, we think it's that. Now you ultimately do an acid test and see which one it is. Uh, you mentioned haha Clinton Dix. Um, and you said, you know, early in the year, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't see his talent level. I, I think he's regressed. He was terrible in the last two or three. I mean, mm-hmm. abysmally, like didn't hit anybody, didn't cover anybody, blown coverages, uh, actively avoiding contact, almost. Exactly. You know, one of the reasons he started all the games is because he didn't hit anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm really, you know, because they've got Morgan Burnett up and you go, well, we've got this really solid, haha, maybe you let Burnett go. I'm not sure you got a solid anything back there if you let uh, if you let Burnett go. So I think there's a lot of decisions to get made back there as well. Yeah, you'd like to have a mulligan on Micah Hyde right now, wouldn't you? I, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, I don't know if you saw the Buffalo Bills video of them watching that Bengals touchdown pass. I did not. No, I did not. Uh, so I'm sure it's it's pretty easy to find on, on social media, but that was really cool. But one of the things I noticed is the guy in front, right by the TV, almost appearing as the leader of the whole team is Micah Hyde. Is Micah Hyde. And he's crowd surfing on everybody when that uh, touchdown was scored. And, you know, you can't keep them all, but gosh, the Packers let a good one get away. Well, I, I think I think there were a lot of analytics that, that went into Ted Thompson's drafting, right? So so there's a lot of, you know, they're the right height, do they have the right speed? Um, and all of those are the tangible things. But you and I have all, everyone who's listening to the podcast, know really smart people who are just completely unmotivated. Yeah. And so if you can measure IQ and say, well, that's going to be the person I'm going to put, put in charge of my company without evaluating their character, without evaluating their drive, without really taking a look at who they are when times get tough, you can make some pretty big mistakes. And so I, I think uh, both with Casey Hayward, which, you know, we're, we're kind of dying because mm-hmm. both, both Casey Hayward and uh, Micah Hyde made the pro, pro Bowl this yeah. year, so we're kind of ducking our heads. Neither one of them had the best speed, and neither one of them had the best measurables. They just forever were around the ball, and listen, turnovers mm-hmm. in the secondary are the only thing you can worry about measuring. Yeah, are they around the ball, and when they get an opportunity, do they take the ball away? And they were that, and we didn't value it, and other teams did, and that's where you end up. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about Ted Thompson shortly, but that's one thing that's been frustrating with him for a while. Is you know, at some point, third or fourth year in the league. Those measurables shouldn't matter anymore. There's enough chance for production that that should matter more. Right. And 
you know, we've seen Daton Jones, we've seen Nick Perry, we've seen these guys that uh, they still get lost in the potential of the prospect. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point, they're not a prospect anymore. Right. You know, and they, they, you know, they can they can look like Tarzan but play like Jane, <laughs> yeah. uh, as one somebody famously said. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Ted Thompson. That's the bombshell that has come out the last couple of days is that he is no longer the general manager. He's going to be, uh, I forget what the official title was, but it's a consultant senior, to scout. Yeah, senior cons- consultant to football operations, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So it sounds like he's going to be able to have all the same access to film, and he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be making any visits, but it sounds like the kind of role that um, he's probably, it, it's sort of like what Doug Melvin is doing, where you don't want to fire him because he's done nice things for the Brewers, but he doesn't have any real power. Um, I think it's deeper than that. I mean, he's under contract. They're going to pay him for another year. <laughs> we'll get something from him. Yeah. Of let, just letting him go. And, and I think he's a good football mind. And, had, you know, it, there's a difference between having really good information and making really tough decisions. Yeah. So you can have somebody who is really good at theory and really good at doing the research. But when push comes to shove, especially when it comes to personnel decision, you have to have somebody who the measurables mean one thing. Um, you know, you can hire, you can you can draft Packer people, but those, if those Packer people can't play, mm-hmm. then you got to start stop doing that. And, and it's an uh, indictment, frankly, yeah. of the. It's not an indictment of draft and develop. It's an indictment of draft good guys yeah, yeah. who could fit your system. Yeah. And you know, you you've said this a dozen times. This is. Um, you know, you you draft nice guys who are good citizens, and you've, you're 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 taking a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, we're heading in a different direction. He'll have some say in it. But one thing that was really interesting when, um, um, oh, the uh, uh, Mike Mark Murphy yeah. was talking, he will have absolutely no input on his successor. He will not have any conversation with it. He won't be in on the interviews. That tells you a lot. And and I think that makes sense. I mean, if you're going to fire the guy, or not fire the guy, but if you're going to move him away from that ultimate authority, then you have to do it. It has right. to be a clean break, even if you want to do this in the nicest, uh, uh, cordial way possible and still have him in the fold. But the thing with Ted Thompson, this is a very weird day for me. And seeing the reaction on Twitter, which never is a good um, assessment of everyone, but seeing the reaction on there for people almost being exuberant that... Uh, I don't know how you could almost be exuberant, right. but just bear with <laughs> me here. <laughs> the people were very happy that Ted Thompson was leaving, and we've talked about this a lot all season, where it's been frustrating to see how little talent they seem to have without Aaron Rodgers. When they played the Minnesota Vikings, one of the conversations we were having while watching the game was that you took Aaron Rodgers away from the Packers, and look what happened what one player could you take away from the Vikings and turn I them into a 7-9 team? You'd have to take five or six players I away I completely from them. agree. And so that was an indictment of the different talent. The, the talent was nowhere close to the same in terms of the Packers and the Vikings. But it, it still feels... A, I think this is a good thing, perhaps, that, I, that Ted wasn't going to get them any further than they were going right now. They clearly hit some sort of wall mm-hmm. in Seattle in January 2015... With a healthy Aaron Rodgers the last two years, they had to scratch and claw to get to 10 wins. Then without him this year, they were horrible. But I don't understand the excite the, the happiness. I, I can understand some sense of satisfaction that we're going to see a commitment to change. But I still feel a little bit like the dog who caught the car. So now what? <laughs> now That's a great analogy. We've oh my been gosh. asking for this. I've never heard that before. That's awesome. We've been asking for this for years. Now what do we do? Because... I think you get sports fans that always think that these are going to be good things. And 
I had to delve into history. Um, and I want to bring up some examples here because one thing is, and, and maybe before I get to the examples, we can comment on this. Sure, of course. One thing that I think is getting lost in all of this is that Ted Thompson has been a Hall of Fame caliber personnel man and general manager. Not only was he the general manager of this team, he he moved, he drafted Aaron Rodgers, but then committed to Aaron Rodgers, got through that whole far fiasco, right. and made the team good enough that Rodgers won a Super Bowl almost immediately, completely negating that controversy for the rest of time. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers hadn't won a Super Bowl in 2010 and hadn't had one by 13 or 14 or 15. People would still be talking about Brett Favre. He won a Super Bowl when Brett Favre was still in the league, which is how fast he turned that thing around. And then people forget he was Ron Wolf's right-hand man that built the teams in the right, 90s. Right, exactly. So people need to realize that there is one team in the NFL that was not envious of the Packers for having Ted Thompson, and that's the New England Patriots who have been historically successful. Every other team in the league would have died to have Ted Thompson. Yeah, I think this is the, you know, the, the enemy of good is is great. Um, yeah. You know, is it good enough? Well, we have, you know... Uh, People were talking about whether McCarthy would stay, and you know he would he would never have gotten off the podium without getting hired by another team. But I, so, so joy is a is a is a hard thing to talk about when somebody loses their job. Yeah. Um, but but I think Packer fans are just like you know we've gone through like three years of well we're really close and we're just going to kind of keep things the same. Yeah. And you can say that two years. Yeah. You might even be able to say that three years. But at some point. It looks from the outside just like, well, we're good enough to fill the seats. Yeah. And we know that Packer fans have 50 years of ticket sales where, you know, if people stop buying their tickets, we have a line of 50 year line of people. And you kind of go, you know, this commitment to excellence doesn't seem like that. It seems like a commitment to profit or it seems like yeah. a commitment to, you know, you're not spending your cap money. Well, then what are you doing with it? And, yeah. and does that mean that the, the business part of this is more important than our love for the team? And there are all these kind of questions. Um, but most importantly, it just, I also feel like Ted Thompson, because he was such an introvert and didn't like interacting with the media mm-hmm. and the fans, uh, he he felt like an outsider. He felt like there was distance from them. There was no way to get to understand what he thought or, yeah. or or become enamored with him or really you know understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And he so wasn't he, like Ron Wolf who wore his heart on his sleeve and right, you knew right. when when the Packers lost, you knew Ron was as pissed as you were. Yeah, right. And in, and in this case, Ted was just like, well, you know. We lost another game, and and we'll work hard. And every answer that came was was kind of this generic. I won't say anything, and he didn't give you any information. Listen, we're fans for a reason. Yeah. We're fans because we want to know what's going on inside the locker room, and we're fans because we want to we want them to see the same things we see and and have the same emotion that we do. And you never got that from Ted Thompson. And I don't think he's supposed to be should be somebody he's not. Yeah. But then you can't possibly be surprised when when things go bad and people don't really like you as a person. Yeah. Or- or, that, or don't that, feel anything for you, right? Exactly. That you're gonna get run out of uh, town on a rail. So, so is it fair? I don't know if it's fair or not. But you can be, you know, you can turn your back on people uh-huh. and not connect with them when you're really successful. Uh, but you better be successful a long time. And um, so that's my theory, at least, about why the reaction. Yeah, I think that's a really good theory. I hadn't thought of it from that angle. Um, so th- that makes a lot of sense. Why? Why? Ne- People might not be as necessarily attached to him as they were some other people. But as far as a purely football standpoint, acknowledging how great Ted Thompson has been, it's clear they were slipping. So 
I think this move had to happen sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to speculate too much on the circumstances of why it happened. Bob McGinn, who is a fantastic writer, but he's no longer working for the Journal Sentinel. He has his own website. It's behind a paywall. I I am a subscriber. Yep. But he had an article speculating on Ted Thompson's health, and it just felt real Bush League, especially for an all-pro like Bob McGinn mm-hmm. and making comments that he thought McCarthy was overweight and losing his energy. And it just felt oh, like a wow. guy with an ax to grind. And so I still, I got Bob McGinn's Super Bowl book. I've been reading him for years, but man, that, that was, that was pretty weak. On well, well, I will tell you that, um, that, that McCarthy's weight is, I work with lots yeah, of people yeah, who yeah. are under stress. Uh, gaining weight is is an indicator of stress without a release. Yeah. And so and so inter- interestingly enough, like if you, for example, um, if you're really unhappy and you don't see a way out, yeah. what do you do? You sleep a lot yeah. and and you and you eat too much. Yeah. I'm, so this is nothing to do with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I've worked with thousands and thousands of job seekers and students who are just in this impossible place, and you always watch them either gain a lot mm-hmm. of weight when they're under stress and they can't control their situation. Yeah. The only thing they can control in their lives are sleep and eating. Yeah. And so here's an example. Why is McCarthy still there and Ted Thompson? Well, maybe, maybe, just one yeah. theory, maybe Mike McCarthy has felt hamstrung yeah. by, as Bill Parcell said, you, you want me to be the chef and cook the dinner, I should be able to go shopping for the groceries. Yeah. And so maybe he's going to get that chance now. Well, Bob McGinn was accusing Mike McCarthy of shopping for a lot of groceries. Okay, well, thought... that's inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. and I, 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 I'm not, I, listen, the la- if, 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 if your listeners saw me, I'm the last guy in the world <laughs> who should be critiquing some of these. But, but to me, from the outside, yeah. it's an indicator of somebody who feels out of control yeah with their own life and doesn't have the ability to fix it. But it also felt like a little bit, and I don't want to go too much into this, but it felt like a little bit of a low blow because every coach puts on weight. I mean, the Mike Holmgren that won a Super Bowl could have eaten the Mike Holmgren <laughs> that was hired by the Packers. That's true. I mean, That's and, and really I'm not true. meaning... I, 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 so maybe I, it's just the stress of the game yes, over it time. Yes, to sure. all of them. Okay. So I think it's yeah. just a little out of bounds to say that it's unique within Mike McCarthy that he's changed physically. By the way, the Mike McCarthy that got hired was... 42 years old, and this one is 54? Yeah, I mean, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, happens. that can happen. Um, all right, but going back to the original point here is, so Ted Thompson is out. I think it's worth the risk to move on from Ted Thompson, but I think a lot of fans are still not acknowledging the risk involved here. Okay. So the Green Bay Packers have been a tremendous organization. They have been a playoff contender, um, almost every year, a Super Bowl contender most years for over a quarter century at this point. Yeah. So I think fans get this idea that, well, they're going to just keep doing this, get rid of Ted Thompson. He's not up to Packers standards. We need to get somebody It can else. only get better from here. That's what people think. That's not true. There's three different ways this can go. It can get better, it can stay the same, or it can get much worse. And I think people like to think the Packers are above that because they have their structure. They don't have an owner. They've been good for years. There has been franchises, believe it or not, that have been as successful, if not much more successful than the Packers have. I know. Isn't that amazing (laughs) to think? So I brought out three examples of the way these things can go. So the Pittsburgh Steelers had been consistent winners for about 30 years by the end of the 90s. 
But in 1999, they had been slipping. They had back-to-back losing seasons with Bill Cowher and with uh, GM Tom Donahoe. Both had come to town at the beginning of the 90s to replace Chuck Knoll. Uh, Pittsburgh had been very successful since hiring Cowher in 1992. They had went to the playoffs six times. They appeared in three AFC title games, and they went to Super Bowl 30, where they lost a competitive game to Dallas, the team of the 90s. But in 98-99, they had back-to-back losing seasons. They decided to keep Bill Cowher and fire Tom Donahoe. They hired Kevin Colbert. Kevin Colbert's still there today. They've had one losing season in the last 18 years. They've been to the playoffs 12 times, the AFC title game six times. They won three of them and went on to win two Super Bowls. This was a team that was already incredibly successful that got much more successful by making a change like So, that. see, that's what happens. You fire your general manager of a good team, and things get better. Yeah, so not always. Oh. Uh, so another one I wanted to bring up is the Rams. Um, so people now are like, well, the Rams are a garbage organization. They haven't always been that way. So in the 70s and 80s, the Rams were one of the most consistent teams in the NFL. Um, they hired GM Don uh, Colsterman in 1972. He hired Chuck Knox. They went to the playoffs eight straight years. But they couldn't get over the hump. They kept losing games in the divisional round in the conference championship game, which sounds familiar to what the Packers have been doing. They appeared in only one Super Bowl, and they lost it to an all-time great Steelers team. Uh, they had consecutive losing seasons in uh, 1981 and 82, and then they got rid of Colsterman, and they hired uh, Ray Nagel for a couple of years. He had a falling out with uh, head coach John Robinson at that point, and then they hired John Shaw, who would be there until 1994. The Rams... After firing uh, Colsterman, who built the teams in the 70s that were really, really competitive, the Rams would go to the playoffs six times in the next seven years. They'd go to the NFC Championship game twice and lost both of them. Okay. So the change in general manager, they had three different general managers. They had three different head coaches and not scrubs either. Chuck Knox is a borderline Hall of Famer. John Robinson had won a national championship at USC. I mean, these are guys that got real chops. Right, right. And it didn't matter. They were still a 10-11 win team that could never beat San Francisco or, or Chicago or Washington or those types of teams. So they made all of these changes because they wanted to get over the hump, and they turned themselves into a team with new pieces that still couldn't get over the hump. Okay, so at least I mean, at least they didn't get worse, right? So, so you can get better uh, if you're the Steelers. You can stay the same if you're the Rams. What could possibly go wrong? Well, and that's where I get to the bad parts here. And I'm not trying to be condescending. It's I, I like to talk about NFL history. You're not going to get any of the breaking news from us. <laughs> There's tons of spots for that. So I try to give people a little bit of historical perspective. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but things can get a hell of a lot worse than they are right now. Disastrously worse. I mean, you thought 7-9 and nine was bad. You'd be pining for 7-9 and nine compared to what has happened to some of these teams that were as successful as the Packers and made changes at the general manager position. So the Miami Dolphins were founded in 1966. By 1970 with Don Shula, they already had made the playoffs. And they would be a consistent playoff and most of the time Super Bowl contender until well into the 2000s. I mean, we're talking 35 years. And... They always had a weird structure, kind of like the Packers did prior to Ron Wolf, where Shula was the player personnel guy, and um, then eventually Jimmy Johnson was. Well, once they got rid of Jimmy Johnson, they thought, well, maybe we need to update this to, to get into the 20th century, 
or 21st century, right, exactly. end of the 20th yep. century, because they had been really, really good. If you remember, the Dolphins went to the Super Bowl a bunch of times in the in the 70s and 80s, and even though they had Marino in the 90s, they were always like a 10-win team that mm-hmm. were much like the Packers, one of the best teams in the AFC, but never the best Couldn't team. Couldn't get over the hump a little bit, yeah. Couldn't get over the hump, so they decided that they were going to get Dave Wanstatt, bring him in, and then they were going to bring in Rick Spielman to be the director of player personnel, and um, he eventually would become the general manager. With this arrangement, they had four straight winning seasons, and then they had a disastrous 4-12 and season in 2004. This was the third losing season in 35 years for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, wow. Third in 35 years. But they decided that that wasn't good enough. They fired Rick Spielman, and they hired Randy Mueller to be the general manager. He brought Nick Saban in. That was a total debacle. Mm -hmm. So they had just had three losing seasons in 35 years since they fired Rick Spielman for not getting them over that 10-win hump. They've had three winning seasons in the last 13 years. They've not won a single playoff game. And Rick Spielman went on to the Minnesota Vikings where he's made the playoffs a bunch of times and perhaps is going to be hosting, hoisting the Lombardi tro- well, They're going to be hosting the Lombardi right, Trophy. Right, exactly right. But perhaps hoisting it at the end of this year. Uh, another quick example, the Buffalo Bills. Not quite the long line of dominance that the Packers have had, but in the last part of the 20th century were a great, great team. They made the playoffs twelve to- or 10 times in the last 12 years of uh, the 80s and 90s. They famously appeared in four Super Bowls, lost them all. So after having consecutive playoff appearances, they lost four of their final five games in the year 2000, fell to 8-8, eight and eight, and missed the playoffs for just the second time in a decade. But management decided that wasn't good enough. They weren't winning Super Bowls. They were... Same as the Dolphins kind of stalling there. So they fired Wade Phillips, and they fired John Butler, who had been the general manager since the early 90s. So Bill Polian built the Kelly and Marv Levy Bills that you think of. But a lot of people forget that John Butler built a really nice Bills team that didn't replace those Hall of Famers with other Hall of Famers. But he had Pro Bowl players left and right. He had guys like Marcellus Wiley and Eric Moulds, Antoine Winfield. I mean, really good players that were going to the playoffs every year. So they decided to hire the old Steelers friend, Tom Donahoe, Buffalo promptly went 3-13 and in 2001, and of course famously went 16 years without getting back to the playoffs after making it 10 times in 12 years. So I know this is a lot to take in, but do you really think that the Packers have been managed any better than the Dolphins were for the 35-year period when they were a wow. Super Bowl contender? Do you think the Packers want to win any more than the Buffalo Bills did when they decided to make a change after going to the playoffs 10 times in 12 years? I think it's worth the risk, but the risk is still huge. It's very real, actually. Can't overlook it. It's huge. It's very real. And now remember, we love to talk about how the Packers organization doesn't have an owner. So you don't get the fickle guy like Oakland who fires Jack Del Rio after getting him to the playoffs for the first Mm -hmm. time in a decade because he doesn't do it again the next year. So that's a great thing about the Packers. The new general manager is going to get a chance to build something. However, if you get it wrong, he's going to be here for a decade. Because you don't have somebody who who will make that quick change, right? If it's not going in the right direction, we give people time. We uh, And as we saw over the last several years, if things don't get better, uh, a single owner would just, just cut and run. Yeah. And here we don't do that. When would the owner have made you fire Dom Capers? In 2012? Certainly after 2014. Sure, sure, of course. And it's 2017, where we still haven't improved. And even going historically, 
Bart Starr should have been fired in 1978 or 79, and he coached until 1983, despite the fact that he was abysmal, because they like to give people time, they have 50 years of season tickets, and it's just the culture of the organization, and... Those don't change overnight, no matter who's in it. Look at the Bengals. They've been a mom-and-pop organization since Paul Brown ran it. They just extended Marvin Lewis for another two years. I, I don't understand years. that at all. I, I don't either, but it was, shows that you're not changing yeah. because you had a 7-9 and nine season. So I'm saying that the Packers are a I, – I still believe they're a well-run organization. They have a lot of talent in there. But the risk is very real because they're a conservative organization that doesn't have, you know, that, that if they guess wrong, it could be a r- wrong decision that permeates for quite a while. And remember, Mark Murphy has been here a decade, and has, this will be the first time he has to make a football decision as the president of the Packers. Everybody else in the front office was hired by Bob Harlan. Yeah, so we, we had a little bit of a conversation about this earlier before the podcast, and, and I think the variable here, I mean, everything that you've said is absolutely true. The one variable that that changes this conversation, I think, is that much like the Patriots, the Packers have a window that's closing. Yeah. And, um, you know, you don't do this if you're a bad football team and you don't have any hope, right? That you don't you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think what we've decided is that you have four or five years, maybe, yeah. with Aaron Rodgers, and and they're looking at what the uh, what the Patriots are doing and saying, listen. Uh, damn the torpedoes! Yeah. Forget about ten years from now. Let's just bring in. I mean, for goodness' sakes, they just brought in James Harrison, yeah. uh, who is you know one of the most famous uh, Steelers, and they're going to rent him for a few games, and he already has a couple of sacks. But I think if you're trying to change the team with a general manager because the whole team is bad, there's a lot of risk. If you feel like you have a player that and you have a really short window, I think you have to do this. Because if that player doesn't see, listen, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't see the Packers committing, what's the difference between Aaron Rodgers playing till he's thirty-eight or forty-two? It's the commitment, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's it, why is Tom Brady still there? If he was getting sacked fifty times a, a, a year, yeah. I guarantee you, he and Giselle would be on some island in the Bahamas that they probably own, <laughs> and and he's sitting there. He retires a long time ago, yeah. but the fact that they have committed all their resources, and they say, listen, we believe in you, you're our guy, and we're going to move heaven and earth to give you this opportunity. I think that's why you have, I think you're betting on one guy. Now, there's a risk. (laughs) Yeah. Because what you're saying is, you know, especially with what we saw from Huntley, there's nothing behind Rodgers, nothing. So so you're really, you're banking everything on two or three years, and hopefully you win a Super Bowl, but there is nothing behind them, and if you if you mortgage the future, you're in real t- trouble. But I so I, I see this change mm-hmm. as an opportunity to say we're going to totally commit to this one great player. We don't think the whole team's broken. We think yeah. we probably have B to B plus players most of place around. Not yeah. very very few A players, but the one A plus player we have, we can't let this opportunity go. And see, I think that is the unique dynamic. But that could also be the recipe for just still being a 10-win team for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career. That's absolutely true. If you're thinking, and and this is where I'm torn as a Packer fan, so I want desperately for Aaron Rodgers to get another championship. He's too talented. Obviously, I want a Packer championship anyways. (laughs) But 
it would be awesome to have another championship team with him on it. Just to have all those opportunities that they lost at the end of Favre's career. And Rodgers is such a great player. As great as Brett Favre was. Uh-huh. He's not in a lot of the arguments for the greatest quarterback of all time. He's True. amongst the greatest. He's a you know top 10 top to 10, top 15. Right. Aaron Rodgers has a real argument for being top five, top three. Top three maybe, yeah. But he needs, a, he needs another championship or perhaps two. But if you're thinking the long-term future of the Packers, he throws a monkey wrench into all of this. Because if you try to get good now for Aaron Rodgers at the expense of the future, Mm -hmm. that could cause some big problems. And as a Packer fan, am I willing to become what the Denver Broncos appear to be coming, where to cash in on Peyton Manning, they might be a pretty lousy football team for the next five to ten years do I want Aaron Rodgers to get another Super Bowl that badly that I mortgage the future? Because I don't imagine there's a lot of Denver fans that were sitting around watching them get their face kicked in that were like, yeah, but Super Bowl 50 was fun. <laughs> They're not satisfied. They want to be good. And it's that old argument that Matt and I used to have that really doesn't have any answers. If you're a hypothetical football fan from 1960 to 1990, would you rather have been cheering for the Packers or the Cowboys? One team won five titles and one won two, but one team also was only competitive for a decade in which they got all five titles, and the Cowboys were competitive for all three. It's... It's a hard dilemma, and so it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out, because especially if they're in-house, like, was Elliot Wolf talking to Ted being like, I'm on the phone right now, they're going to give us LaShawn McCoy for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a sixth-round pick, yes or no? Oh, nah, I'm not interested. They want Antonio Brown for a seventh-round pick, <laughs> no, I don't want it. You know, it's it's going to, if they get an in-house guy, it's going to look a lot like Ted. I, I think so too, and I think I think you keep. We talked about why would Ted stay around. Part of it is you're paying. Part of it, I think, is his relationship around the leagues. I mean, if you look at kind of the underground railroad that goes between Green Bay and Seattle that we were talking about earlier, yeah. um, you know that, that that's one of the reasons you keep him around. I, I think in this particular case, like if you look at Denver, and I think it's a great example. By the way, the mortgage the future, and they even talked about it. We're going to mortgage the yeah. future to get it, and they got it. And now they're bad. And I think the reason is, is Denver a bad football team? I don't know. But you have absolutely nobody at quarterback behind him yeah. because you spent all the money uh, and you drafted poorly. Yeah. right? So that's that's why you don't have them. And and the, the fear in Green Bay is, you know, these in, in Belichick, Belichick says, we have this once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. Well, the problem in Green Bay is we've had two once-in-a-lifetime quarterbacks back-to-back. Yeah. So we're... We, we we probably falsely are thinking that's not that hard to. F- I mean, yeah. you know, we'll find that guy somewhere. Yeah. We just I mean, we had him fall into our lap. I'm yeah. sure it'll happen again. And that um, that is a dangerous thing to think that lightning will strike another time in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think as long as you don't mortgage um, the future and you're you're constantly drafting the guy who's going to follow up. Listen, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, I don't, care, I don't know if he's going to play two more years or five more years. The fact is, right now we have absolutely zero behind him. Yeah. Absolutely zero. And if he walked away from the team tomorrow, we're bad for the yeah. next decade. Well, and I think that's why the prudent thing to be for the next general manager is going to be very similar to what Ted Thompson's been doing. And the only good thing, I guess, is you've had some weakish drafts recently, so mm-hmm. there's not a whole bunch of people that you desperately have to pay coming right, up. Right, right. Um, but you're still going to have to take care of your cap. And e- even 
the home run candidate to replace him, I think, is John Schneider. Um, he recently signed an extension with Seattle, I believe, uh, before last season, that wiped away the clause that he could leave to be the same position in Green, Green Bay. Bay. Okay, All so right. um, he can't do that anymore. They would have to compensate him. Which you you mentioned the the Underground Railroad between the Packers and Seahawks. We were talking about that before it started for two teams that really have no reason to have any history together. It's strange how interwoven they've been over mm-hmm. the last twenty years with, you know. Holmgren goes there, and they have to give us a second-round pick, which we pick a crappy Fred Vincent and then package <laughs> to get him on green. Right. And then all those kind of things, the playoff games that they've had against each other. Um, and then Eddie, uh, Eddie Lacy eats his way across the country. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and Ted Thompson, of course, went to Seattle for right. a cup of coffee in his time there. And, and, so, and I think Mike Sherman was going – was with – Holmgren in Seattle in 99 and then came back to oh coach gosh, the Packers. I think you might be right. So there's a lot of those weird things, but I think John Schneider's kind of the dream candidate, but in order if he would come to Green Bay, the best course of action would not be to go nuts and go the Patriots route and get a whole bunch of well, and they haven't got expensive free agents. The Patriots are they get economical free agents and they have rentals. They have rentals. <laughs> the not to go the Denver route, where you get these expensive free agents and right. try to build that way. The prudent thing to do would be to be what John Schneider did to build the Seahawks. He built a great defense over the course of about three drafts. Right, exactly. And that would be the thing to do with Aaron Rodgers, because as weird as this sounds, you almost have to think about it without Aaron Rodgers in mind. You can't come in and have your job be, I want to win Aaron Rodgers a Super Bowl. Your job has to be, I want this team to be good forevermore, for as long as I'm here, and I don't care which players are here. You do it expecting Aaron Rodgers to be your quarterback for as long as he wants to be, but you can't just go out and get a bunch of people through free agency and make weird trades to try to give Aaron Rodgers a better chance and then screw everything up in the future. So I think fans, I hope, if a GM comes in and does it the right way, same way with the Brewers right now with David Stearns, everybody's like, we won 86 games last year, go get everybody, and he's like, we're still building. And, and and I'm okay if we're not a World Series team in 2018. I think the new general manager might take that same approach with the Packers. Well, I will tell you that I'm a big fan of getting somebody from outside the organization, and yeah. here's why. You've got a number of players who are in the organization that desperately we need to do something with. Clay Matthews, $11 million a year. Randall Cobb, $10 million a year. Jordy Nelson, $10 million a year. Draft choices that haven't worked out. Um You've got to have somebody who doesn't have this five-year relationship with these people that they look across the table and go, oh, come on, you know, just one more year. Because we need to free up. You know, if you think about Clay Matthews and and Cobb and Jordy, that's $33 million of your $120 million cap, and you're about to pay uh, Aaron Rodgers, what, $27, $28 million a year? Yeah. I think you've got to have somebody who can come in and make really – uh, hard, factually-based decisions because they, they haven't been around that person for a long time. So my fear is that if you get Elliot Wolf, yeah. there's this kind of wink-wink, kind of, well, we like these guys. We go out to dinner together maybe one more year, and then you then you kind of you know hamstring yourself with the salary cap. That's that's yeah. why I would love to see an outsider come in. And, and I'm very torn on that because that makes perfect sense to me. But I think also if you get somebody too outside the organization, you can sometimes get someone who doesn't appreciate the culture, wants to make a name for themselves. If you go somebody within the organization, 
you might get a sense of clarity where Elliot Wolf can step up and say, or even, you know, I know John Schneider, but he's so ingrained in this network of Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson that they can come in and be like, look, guys, I know things are bleak, but you just went to the playoffs eight straight times and won a Super Bowl. Let's not pretend you're Cleveland or the Bears. You have a good thing going, and we need to tweak this, and we need to get this going again, but we're not far away. We don't have to strip it down to the base and build it back up. You know, because then you get to your Miami situation where they're like, oh, my God, it's a mess. We suck. And it's like, well, you still have a bunch of borderline Hall of Famers on your team. And, and you've theirs is a little bit of a unique situation. But Buffalo had a lot of talent. And a lot of these places have talent. And you get a little bit worried where if somebody comes in and doesn't appreciate Clay Matthews at all. Well, Clay Matthews might not be worth what he's getting. Yep. But he's still the best defensive player on the Packers, the way he played when he was healthy this year. I think that, I think that's true. And there's all kind of conversations we'll have later about what to do with our free agents and who should stay and who should get moved to a different position and, and who we should renegotiate contracts with. Um, I just, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a place between – I'm going to keep people because I like them. Yeah. And there's and Ted Thompson, well, he's got the right measurables. We're not yeah. going to think about who they are. It really has to be somebody that can can div- divine, not Dan Divine, but divine, <laughs> define from somebody looking in their eye their willingness and their desire to do whatever it takes to be successful. Yeah. Um, because I think you have a lot of players who are at this point they're still talented. I mean, look at Clay. He leads the league in what? Uh, commercials, commercials yeah. I think, probably. And so, uh, you know, Jordy has that desire. Um, Randall? I don't know if was, Jordy does anymore. He was openly talking about, well, I'm a person who commits, so I have a year left on my contract. I mean, talking like... Wow, wow, I didn't hear that. Not okay. like wanting to leave Green Bay. Like, I've been in the league 10 years. I'm a dad. I want to go home. Sure. It, it's a lot of what it sounded like. Sure. So I just, I want them to get a guy who who really says, listen, we need... We need punchers who will do whatever. We need James Harrison 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, uh, it was funny that he got two sacks for, um, he got two sacks for the Patriots and somebody asked him, so, you know, tomorrow's a day off. He said, no, t- tomorrow's likes. Like, like I work on my legs on Mondays. That's what I do. And that's, that's what we need is somebody who can look into somebody's heart and their soul. Everybody's talented. Everybody's fast. Everybody's strong. But can you look into their desire to actually do whatever it takes to be successful? And that's, that's what's going to define whether we get a good GM or not. And I think what I've learned from this whole conversation is that while it's easy for all of us to see that this thing isn't as good as it was before, mm-hmm. how to fix it and not break it is a tremendously difficult thing to do. And so, you know, Mark Murphy is really going to get tested here, and he's apparently he's going to use some consultants. Uh, he said he's going to trust Ted's opinion on internal candidates. Um, so they have a lot of people that would want to be the general manager of the Packers. They're going to have the cream of the crop to select from, especially if they're willing to send compensation for it. But this just all goes to how many variables there are in here. And we've said a lot of things that are completely conflicting that all make sense. And fixing this is not as easy as saying, Ted, hit the bricks and finding somebody to plug in there. It is it is an incredibly difficult thing. And I think a lot of fans, going back to the you know genesis of this conversation, is that uh, they don't realize the existential risk to what the Packers have built the last 25 years in this next hire. Yeah, I think you're right. And and if it were me, and it's not, of course, but if it were me, I think the one thing you do is you really include Mike McCarthy on draft decisions and player decisions because 
he's the one. I mean, you know, Bill Parcells said that about shopping and having to cook the dinner. But if you're the, um, you know, how long has Mike McCarthy been saying, oh, we have the right guys? We clearly don't have all the right guys. Yeah. And you can't tell me that the head coach who's watching film, you know, 16 hours a day on the off days and, and during the off season doesn't know that they don't have the right players and doesn't have in their own mind exactly who, not, not exactly who the person is, but the personality, the type, the kind of player that they want and need. And so if, if Mike McCarthy, uh, if you don't give him that authority, well, then what does Mike McCarthy do? You've made this huge yeah. change, and I still don't have a, a yeah. choice with the players, and you still want to, to evaluate my talent as a coach based on players that I didn't choose? Mm-hmm. I don't need this. I, you know, I, I, so that's what I would look for. Is it not, not that he will be the GM. I think, that's oh, no, a, I no, think no head coach GM is a disastrous combination. And he doesn't even want it. He's made yeah, that clear. But I think having a lot more say um, – in in our decisions would be uh, would really serve the team well. He's in the most interesting position in all of this because um, uh, Rob Domovsky of ESPN made the point that um, and, and we talked about it earlier on that that McCarthy got extended, so he's got two years left on his deal, so he's not going to be a lame duck coach. Mm-hmm. However, they signed Mike Sherman to a two year contract the year Ted Thompson was hired, and he got fired after one year. Uh, so it's certainly not set in stone. But the weird thing for McCarthy is, well, he's in charge of replacing those people that were fired. It's going to be hard to get really top-of-the-line assistants to come to a place if they're worried about your job. But if you're a new general manager, particularly if you're one from outside of the organization, Mike McCarthy almost has to get back to the NFC Championship game, or even better, to keep his job after next year or after the two years. Because why would you... if, If they go out next year... And win ten games, and lose in the divisional round. That's ugh. <laughs> right. So, so all the way back to scheme or players. So now, now uh, if if Mike McCarthy doesn't change the scheme based on the players, and we are a ten win team, then then you can start pointing to scheme. Yeah, but um, the new the new GM's not going to get that many impact players year one. I wouldn't think. I, I think we have eleven draft choices this yeah. year. And um, and if you free up some money with with Cobb and Jordy, and again, I'm not even saying let them go, but you know, if, if Cobb and Jordy both go down to three or four million dollars a year, Clay goes down to five million dollars a year. You move Clay to the inside linebacker spot, which he was great at, by the way. And the yeah. only reason he's back out there is because we don't have anybody else to replace him yeah. right now. Um, I think you have money, you know, and you're, you're gonna you're not gonna have a GM who won't spend money on yeah. young. Yeah. Free agents, and so you know you have eleven draft choices. You bring in two free agents who are not named Martellus Bennett, and um, and preferably and, ones and, that are available before the draft. And as much as we were excited to get Ahmad Brooks in the the fold, it was clear watching him play this year that there was a reason why he was available the week before the season. Well, you made a great point, and I was super excited by that that hire or that um, signing. That signing. But uh, you're right. I mean, you just you know you don't have that kind of talent laying around, and so I was still infatuated with his name yeah. and his history, um, and and he was out there for a reason. So well, and and I like a lot what, of what you said, but that's what's going to be so strange about this is it's such an interesting dynamic because McCarthy is still there. Your best players, in a lot of ways, are your veterans, particularly Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, is the whole franchise. So what does that do to not only the short-term future of this team, but longer-term if the 
particularly if you're outside of the organization, you come in and the first thing you want to do is renegotiate Randall Cobb, renegotiate Jordy Nelson, and renegotiate Clay Matthews. It almost makes it look like you're putting it on your stars. To me, if I have the cap room, even if I'm a little scrunched the first year, you don't have a lot of playmakers on this team. Maybe you try to talk Jordy down because he was so unproductive. Maybe the receivers, maybe. I I don't know how much tinkering you do with all of those veteran contracts um, because that can be a sticky situation too where all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is like, well, great, now we got an organization that doesn't even give us any credit for what we've done for this team. Well, look, the free agent signings are really, in my mind, super simple. Yeah. You sign a shutdown corner and you sign an aggressive, hard-hitting safety. How many of those are out there, though? Uh, well, it depends on if you're willing to pay them $10 million a year. I would guess there's at least yeah. one or two. No, I, I know, but it's, it's you know, Daryl Revis isn't on the market every year. I mean, it's, it's hard to do. It, yeah, hard what I'm saying do. is you don't need free agents all over the place. Yeah. If you look at our team, yeah. right, is our offensive line good enough? No, but we, we're going we're gonna to draft two really good offensive linemen at least. Yeah. One of them's going to be high, and yeah. your offensive yeah. line's going to be fine. Our wide receivers are going to be fine-ish yeah. Yeah. because they have a great relationship with our running back situation is fixed, so you need mm-hmm. a tight end, yeah. what do you need on defense? Your defensive yeah. line is pretty good. You need a rush linebacker, yeah. which you're going to get in the draft. That's usually probably going to be the number 14 that better draft be. pick. Is, that better is be. The guy come from uh, uh, Clemson, I think, that, that um, Keys, I think is his last mm-hmm. name, is who's being predicted. But what did we do in the Super Bowl year, right? We yeah. went out and got a safety and a shot that we got, we got, uh, we got, um, Robinson one year and then oh, the Olsen. Yeah. Um and but that whole shutdown corner, the one that you can really like put on one side of the field, we yeah. don't have anybody close to that. And so how do you scheme a defense if you can't if you can't do that? And I agree wholeheartedly with that. But I'm just I don't mean to be such a naysayer, but that's where I'm getting back to the point why I have so much anxiety of this is because it's easy for all of us to go on Twitter or go on this podcast and see this is what you have to do. Get a shutdown corner. Be active in free agency. The last several years, every year, there's been one good shutdown corner yep. and yep. about 12 Devon Houses, and right. half the league wants them. Right. So it's 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 hard to do. It's really hard to I, do. I don't disagree. That's yeah. why you probably won't get both of them. Yeah. You'll have to live with Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and you'll sign Morgan Burnett to some kind of good but not great deal. Um, I'm just saying, you know, when I look at our defense, like what what's the problem? The problem is we can't rush the passer. Yeah. And our safeties are nowhere to be found anywhere on the field when we play. So you need somebody who can set a tone back there. And so, you know, I, I don't know that our, um, you know, Randall will be a fine cornerback. House may not be back next yeah. year. Um, but, but again, those guys, cornerbacks you can get in the draft, right? Because cornerbacks, they, they have to be smart. But if you have a good safety behind you, you can take their athleticism and their youth and let them make mistakes. Yeah. But you've got a safety behind you. I'm, I'm a really big fan of getting a safety who will not only run the defense, but light people up and just how about we just stay deeper than the deepest. Yeah. That's, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll no, get off the thing, but I, it, it's, uh, I agree with you, too. We don't I think. have to fix the whole team. Yeah, we yeah, we need two players <laughs> and get everybody else back. If only we had a pass rusher and an impact wide receiver and a defensive, uh, a great shutdown cornerback. Sounds like every team in the NFL. Exactly. So you're saying, yeah, okay. And, and so I think um, the, this new general manager has their work cut out for him, and that's, right. that's what's nerve-wracking is that I think Ted – Hasn't done the greatest job recently by hitting with his draft picks. He's been drafted late in the draft. Yep. The, the new general yep. manager will be a little bit higher there. But um, th- that's just the whole point of this. I know I'm going around in circles. And I love having this conversation because it's fun to talk about all that stuff. But it's not going to be easy, folks. That's all I want people to know. 
It's I, not going to be easy. I agree. And the fact that they kept McCarthy is not only a vote for McCarthy, but remember, if you fire McCarthy, you're firing essentially the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So there's some consistency there. Mm-hmm. You can fill the other roles. Uh, but, you know, be careful what you wish for because yeah. you just might get it. And we got it. We got what a lot of people wished yeah. for. So some of the short, the shorter list of candidates to replace Ted Thompson, Russ Ball, um, uh, Brian Gutekunst, who right now is the director of uh, player personnel. Um, I think I pronounced it right. Uh, close enough. <laughs> Russ Ball right now is essentially the contract negotiator for the Packers. He was hired by Thompson in 2008. Uh, Gutekunst was, has been here since 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot Wolf has been here since 2004. And then some of the dream candidates that were ex-Packers that have gone on to do other things. You have John Dorsey, you have Reggie McKenzie, and you have John Schneider. And I've heard a lot of people talk about Reggie McKenzie and John Dorsey, people talking about Reggie McKenzie. He's done so much with Oakland. By the way, another team that was good for about 25 years and right. vanished right. because they made some silly m- mistakes in the front office. But other than John Schneider, and this is what I hope people understand, other than John Schneider, none of those other guys even were close to as successful as Ted Thompson was in his I, job. I think that's true. Here's here's where my money's at. My money's on Elliot Wolf. Okay. Because for two reasons. First of all, he's 34. You would never put him in that role unless he had good support systems around him, which is why you keep Ted Thompson around because mm-hmm. they grew up together. And if you hire Elliot Wolf, who else do you get? You get Ron Wolf. You get Ron Wolf. Yeah. Exactly right. So that's anyway, uh, I know those are the candidates, but that's where my money is. I hope you're right. I think if they if they go outside, it sounds dumb because usually the splash candidate never works out. But <laughs> I would love to see John Schneider come back. Sure. He's done a tremendous job out in Seattle. He's won a Super Bowl. He basically built the best defense of the last generation in three drafts with late picks. Which is exactly what we need here. Exactly what we need yep. here. Um, but Elliot Wolf would be a fabulous candidate. Looking at this list, I mean, seeing that Reggie McKenzie was with the Packers since 94, John Schneider was a scout because he wrote Ron Wolf a letter in college that he wanted to be with the Packers, and then he was there for the Super Bowl. Um, Reggie McKenzie, John Dorsey, and um, John Schneider all have Super Bowl rings from 1996, and then all but John Schneider have Super Bowl rings from 2010 as well. So that Ron Wolf tree. That is an unbelievable tree. Unbelie- I mean, unbelievable success for people that have worked with him. So you don't want to put too much pressure on his son because as we've seen in sports, it doesn't always work that way. But yeah. Well, I, know, I know where I used to go for advice when I yeah. didn't know what to do. I, I used to go to my dad. <laughs> so yeah. um, I, I'm just thinking that you've got enough. You know, educated, older guys with experience around him. Yeah. But then you have the youth and enthusiasm that can can connect with the players, and also went, won't get caught up in nostalgia either. Yeah. So that anyway, there you go. Though Jarrett Payton was one of the worst running backs I've ever seen in the NFL. <laughs> so okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, those things can happen. But point taken. Uh, so far, everything Ron Wolf has touched has turned into gold in his in his life. All right. So there is a lot more to come in this off season. It. For nothing else, it will reward our patients through the most boring regular season in a long time with one of the more interesting off-seasons they've had in a long time. So at least we have that. Um, I guess I just want to say that um, I find myself oddly appreciative of Ted Thompson, and perhaps it's a reaction to seeing so many people not appreciate what he's done. I think it's time, and I think it's worth the risk, but... uh, There was a time in about 2006 that I wasn't sure that this would ever get as good as it was with Favre. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it was better. Sure. 
Uh, I, I think we should. We, we are we are incredibly blessed because can you imagine Cleveland having this conversation? Like <laughs> yeah. we're going to get rid of somebody who's taken us to this this many uh, Super Bowls and championship games. Um, I think there's a point at which the the message just gets old and it yeah. starts it starts being falling on deaf ears, and it's really hard to motivate people with the same message said a different way. So yeah. so this is a wake up call for the organization. It's a it's a it's probably a youth movement mm-hmm. in, in some regards uh at the coaching level. Um but it's just as much a wake up call to the players that says nobody is mm-hmm. I don't want to say nobody's safe. Aaron's safe. Yeah. Uh but 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 you know, everybody's on notice. And so that's one of the ways you turn around an organization is you get people's attention first. And I think they've done that. And it's a good message to fans that uh great things don't last forever. Mm-hmm. And um that's why we try to talk a lot of history and things on here to try to be appreciative of the non Super Bowl seasons. I've, right, right. I've seen so much talk on Twitter about people saying, Well, big deal, two Super Bowls in 25 years with two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. That's 25 years of exciting football games and fun times hanging out with your friends and family, watching some of the greatest players to ever play. If your whole fandom is tied up in winning championships, you're setting yourself up for a miserable life as a sports fan. Well, you know, imagine us trying to do this podcast for the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we, we talk about all the history and we talk about... What are you going to talk about? <laughs> talk about... Stuff really old. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, enjoy what you have. Um Listen, uh, so so you're, this is going to come from a draft, Nick. If you want to have a lot of fun, get really involved in the draft because that's what you have between now and April, yeah. and and it's it's a really fun thing. It's a really fun thing to uh, to get involved with, but 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 don't get involved in the measurables so much as get involved in the personalities of the players and start paying attention to the players who are just. 100% committed, like they go right from the bowl game and they get a trainer. They go right to the bowl game and they work out with pro players. Those are the kind of players, again, will you do whatever it takes? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an old saying from uh, from um, a movie with Sean Connery about El- uh, Elliot Ness. And he, in a Scottish accent, says, what are you prepared to do? <laughs> and that's really where I, when I was a coach, my question to the players really was, what are you prepared to do? And you're either willing or you're not. Yeah. So uh, find out who's out there that you'd like to see on this team, and it will sure make this off season that's been pretty painful going off a lot faster. And maybe even try talking in a Scottish accent. <laughs> I mean, that Sorry about that. No, that's right. <laughs> One time a year. <laughs> uh, my only request as, as kind of the, the history buff is I am dying, especially this time of year, when so many coaches are getting fired and so many fan bases want changes for their team. Stop expecting Bill Belichick to happen. He is literally the only guy to personally have a near two-decade run of success as a coach and general manager. Chuck Knoll couldn't do it. Joe Gibbs couldn't do it. Bill Walsh couldn't do it. It's He's the only person to ever do it, really. I mean, you, maybe you can go to the, the NBA and, and talk about some of those Lakers teams and Celtics teams, but as far as the pro football is concerned, it, it's it's virtually impossible. So don't expect your team to go get another Bill Belichick and do it like Bill Belichick Because there does. isn't another Bill yeah, Belichick. <laughs> it's like if, if you have a retirement account or if you have investments in the market – you can't sit there and be like, well, that was nice 6% gains, but why doesn't it look like Warren Buffett's gain? <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's kind of just a ridiculous thing to think. Real quick before we sign off, let's rapid fire a couple of NFL topics. So John Gruden looks like he might be coming back to the Raiders. In my opinion, it definitely could work because he's got a nice nucleus there, but 
I think getting lost, and, and Corey Ben and I, uh, Corey had a lot of great points about why he thinks John Gruden could work. He said guys like Dick Vermeil were able to come back and play, mm-hmm. but uh, or he didn't play at all. Dick Vermeil would not have been a good player in like 2002, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think. Fair. But he was able to connect and, and obviously did what he did with the Rams and kind of lost in a lot of it was what he did with the Chiefs and really built them up really Agreed. fast and did some nice things. But I think people think John Gruden was like – Bill Belichick, and he really was more like Brian Billick. Uh, so, so I, I, I am stunned. I'm, I'm amazed with uh, you can see somebody's stock go up without them having. He hasn't coached a game in. Ten, he was on the sidelines last when Mike Holmgren was also a coach. Right. So, so you know his legacy, his his uh, his image has grown over the years, having not done anything but uh, you know uh, grimacing and being a Chucky face on TV. <laughs> Um, and now they're talking about the possibility of to, to, to lure him out of the booth. They're going to give him a piece of the team, like a percent, yeah. which is completely unheard of. I, I can't imagine the uh, the owners allowing that because that opens up a real Pandora's box. Yeah, what if he goes five and eleven the first two years? But, 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 so here's the other thing. So so remember when the Rams moved to L.A. They they drafted Jared Goff. Why? Well, we're finding out now a good quarterback, but also he's a California guy. And he could bring fans to this place. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to relocate to Las Vegas, even though it's Las Vegas, you need something for them to come see. Yeah. And John Gruden would be – I mean, don't ever forget, the NFL is a business about selling tickets and, and advertising space. And so um, I think it can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody can measure up to the kind of image that we've created for him, though. Yeah, that's a good point. It might work, but it might not work to the level right. they're expecting. I mean, you're, you're the Raiders. Maybe just get back to the playoffs. <laughs> Um, let's go real quick to the Facebook page. Uh, so Daniel Johnson, we got two comments. Uh, Daniel Johnson, one of our great fans. Change is good. We'll see where we go from here. More changes will probably be coming, especially for McCarthy if Green Bay doesn't do something next season. So obviously, Daniel, if you listen this far, you'll realize that we're not sure change is good, but it can be. So yeah, sure. I, we'll I, I think change is uh, the only thing that guarantees uh, the only guaranteed thing in life, uh, as my dad used to say, is death and change. And so, um, we like to fantasize that change will be good, and you've laid out a really good scenario here that change can be um, can be anything other than good. But I think as fans, honest to goodness, from a from a real fan standpoint, one more year of we were so close and we're just going to keep things the same. I think I think I would have burst. Yeah. I know, at least we saved ourselves the devastating playoff defeat this year. That was a nice change of pace. And then Eric Hansen, one of our great, great fans, has some great points on the Facebook page, but we are running a little long, so I'm not going to get to all of those. Um, he mentions how the team really didn't look that strong even with Aaron Rodgers, and so it's clear that this team perhaps needs a boost in the uh, general manager department. Um, he also um, wanted to or mentioned Devontae Adams and how we were also down on him in 2015, and then he really turned it around and he was rewarded with a big contract extension so um him and Lindsley as well so uh, great move he proved his worth playing with Brett Hundley um so they retained another playmaker and the reason they did it when they did is I think that their guaranteed money goes on the 2017 cap that is correct so the new general manager is going to have a a great amount of salary cap to work with and I will I will admit to being wrong here when when he was struggling I thought it was because he was young and not willing to work and he kept saying it's my ankle it's my ankle 
Uh, and that's why you have to trust the coaches. They see them every day and we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations to him. That's, you know, hard work and effort. And, and winning Aaron Rodgers' trust is not an easy <laughs> no. thing. So he's not only physically become very gifted, but clearly he, uh, he met Aaron at a competitive level mm-hmm. and won his trust, which says an awful lot about him. And you can go back in the archives and hear how uh, Matt and I at the time were dead wrong about him. We thought he was finished. And uh, he... Proved us wrong, especially, but many others wrong as well. One thing I forgot to talk about, Chris, because of the Packers' predicament, is that they're actually going to somehow, for some reason, play the NFL playoffs without them. What? Yeah. I, I, nobody mentioned that. To it's nobody offensive to the greatness of the Packers that they would carry on without the Packers. I saw I saw the matchups on, on the screen yesterday, and it was... Like, seriously, really weird not seeing the Packer name. I'm like, they forget, oh, no, no, that's right. They're not in it. Well, no Packers, no Broncos, no Seahawks. It it was one of those that um, I'm I'm a a video game guy or was back in the day that if you had simulated a season on Madden to play the playoffs and saw that those were the playoffs, you'd have said, that's unrealistic, try again, and you would have re-simulated it to get the Packers in those uh, No Cowboys. the article that says Atlanta is the only NFC team going back to the playoffs this year. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think you're right. And, um, I want to say eight teams that weren't in it last year. And you have some that were only out for one year, like Carolina, but, um, it's going to be interesting and it's fun to see some new teams get a chance, particularly that the Packers are not in it, but, um, who do you like in each conference? Well, you know, I wish I could say you can't bet on on the Patriots, but I think the Patriots have made all the right moves. And and I, I, I'll tell you, I think James Harrison is a brilliant signing. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what Pittsburgh was thinking. Yeah. Um, I don't know what exactly they saved by letting him go, but, but how could you not? I mean, because that was the biggest weakness of the Patriots defense is they didn't have an outside pass rush. And now you've got a guy who can bench press like a school bus um, <laughs> and, and is one of the all-time sack leaders. So I like the Patriots. Um, I wish I could say I didn't like the Vikings. My, my, my brother-in-law is going to just be all over me for this because he's a huge Viking <laughs> fan, and, and sometimes we rag on him. I think playing at home is a really big advantage. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and not only that, because if things start going bad with your quarterback in Minnesota, you've got other people to turn to. Yeah. Like, let's say you start your quarterback starts playing bad. You can go to Sam Bradford or um, – uh, well, they can't. They can go to Bridgewater. Bradford's actually on IR. But, oh, he is. Okay, I'm sorry. But you can go to your defense. You you might win games ten to seven, thirteen to ten. Yeah. So so that tells you everything about defenses travel. And, and so so what a great thing. One of the best defenses about against one of the best offenses would be a really interesting Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. Patriots and and Vikings. Uh, it would be a horrid Super Bowl for a fan like me because I just the, oh I got gotcha. you. If I, I had to pick two teams that I didn't want in the Super Bowl each year, those <laughs> right. would be my two selections. But um, how about you? I think you're right. The NFC, I think, is very balanced. So if any of those teams ended up in the Super Bowl out of the NFC, it wouldn't surprise me. The uh, I, I will take the Patriots and give you the rest of the field, acknowledging that Pittsburgh's the only one that has a legitimate mm-hmm. shot. I thought Jacksonville did for a while, but Blake Bortles is a disaster. I just can't see them outscoring Tom Brady or, or their defense playing well enough to win a slugfest. And the Steelers just can't beat New England even even under some controversial circumstances, right. they just can't they can't do it. And if Carson Wentz was still playing, then the Eagles are uh, like the Eagles are a really good football team for sure. But boy, uh, Foles has just looked after one year week of looking really good. He was really really bad against the Cowboys. Yeah, it's, it's so, bad when you lose. Uh, game I think I think the Vikings can run the ball. I think they can throw the ball. And by goodness, they can play defense. So there you go. So I'm really hoping for Rams Jags. 
Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun uh, just for the weirdness of it all. Right. But I think it's going to end up being the Vikings and Patriots. And we were having um, uh, Christmas on New Year's Eve watching the Packer game uh, with my wife's family. And um, uh, her brother lives in uh, the Minneapolis area. And Mm -hmm. he said it's very annoying there. Um, But we were talking about how if the Vikings had to win a Super Bowl, this is about the most tolerable Vikings team that I can remember. Um, you know, I don't know, going really old school, maybe those Jerry Burns 80s ones, yeah. you know, with nice. Anthony Carter and some of those would have been okay. But, you know, it's not get your roll on Pep and right. Randy no Moss. Going on here. There's no Chris Hovan. <laughs> there's no Brett Favre. There's none of that stuff. So yeah, I'm starting to soften in my as I get, you know, into my fourth decade, I'm not super old, but I think of how I feel as a Brewer fan, and I, I can't wish that misery of no championships on anybody, even Vikings fans. So if they had to win a championship, I could tolerate this team doing well, it. Well, the fact that I that I, I think the Viking I want the Vikings to win if they get there over the Patriots tells you the depth of the feeling of anyone but the Patriots <laughs> yeah, exactly. winning the Super Bowl that exists not only with me, but I think uh, more than a few people out there. If the Patriots have to win the Super Bowl, they have to come from 14 points down with 90 seconds left to beat the Vikings <laughs> in their own stadium. Um, that would be the only way I'd be okay That's with That's a it. walk-off there. <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you for uh, the comments from Eric and Daniel. Um, and Eric had a good question that maybe in the off season we could revisit our top 10 quarterbacks of all time, which we did a few years ago. So that's a... Oh, how fun. Yeah, maybe we can do that. The Goldies, they'll probably be coming up soon, maybe after the Super Bowl. Um, but they'll be here at some point. It's going to take me some extensive research to find good moments that we can actually vote for and not have just all bad moments. So, And, and also, a brand new one-way ticket award winner because Dom Capers has won the one-way ticket award three times, and he finally is oh going. Oh, my gosh. So see, th- 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 third time really is the charm. It is. For us. For, for us. Well, perhaps. <laughs> maybe yeah, right. maybe we'll the charm see. will be finding out that our players really do stink. But uh, we shall see. It's a season of change for the Packers. And if anything, it will be interesting. So uh, thank you for interacting with us on the Facebook page. Uh, if you don't follow it, please do. Green and Gold Forever podcast on Facebook. Or follow us on Twitter, at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. Now we pick 14th. Yep. In the first round, so that's how you remember the four. And we need about four all-star players on defense <laughs> that's another way to in order it. to win the Super Bowl next year. Yep. Um, definitely follow us on Twitter because that's where we're probably most active. Um, you can also go to the Podbean page, greengoldforever.com. Or, I'm sorry, greengoldforever.podbean.com. Um, you can go there and get our complete archives as well as some of the articles that we have written. If you're into alternate Super Bowl history, which how could you not if you're listening to us and the What If shows, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of that on there. And uh, also listen to us on the go. Subscribe to us on iTunes and also on the Podbean app. Please rate and review us on those apps if you so are inclined. So, Chris, thank you again for joining me. Um, again, we're getting into the off season, so uh, the episodes will be a little less frequent. But we have many plans to do shows in the off season, and uh, we have different ideas. Chris mentioned he's a draft Nick, so we might do more draft coverage. I'd love that. That would really be fun. And I am, uh, believe it or not, I know I always talk about projects I'm working on, but I, I am working on some more in depth history projects for you, and uh, you can see some of the 
um, remnants of that on Twitter as I'm posting weird clips of stuff I see in NFL games as I'm watching old stuff. So hopefully that will uh, ramp up in the coming days. But once again, um, we'll say this at the Goldies again, but thank you so much for listening to us this season. It always uh, means a lot to us that uh, so many of you listen and then also uh, interact with us. And I think we have a a fun little thing going here. Uh, We're trying to grow it, but uh, we're gracious for what we have. Yeah, and thank you for making me feel so welcome this year. Uh, not only you, Eric, but um, but the listeners have been very kind. So uh, really grateful and, and hope for the opportunity to continue. Yeah, absolutely. You've done a tremendous job and uh, can't wait to talk to you about the draft and whatever else might come our way in this crazy Packers season. So, mercifully, the games are over for 2017, <laughs> but a lot more interesting things to come. Thank you so much for joining us and take care, everyone.